Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Long before documentary series were the trend, filmmakers D.A. Pennebaker and Chris Hedges created The Energy War, a groundbreaking episodic look at Washington, D.C. in 1977 and 1978. Part two of the series, Filibuster, is a real-life political drama taking audiences behind the scenes during the fierce legislative battle and historic double filibuster over President Jimmy Carter's natural gas bill. I'm going to leave it there because we'll get into the details of why this was important. It was a significant piece of legislation and how all of these different machinations took place. But if you're a fan of politics, if you're a fan of the democracy and American history, it's not very often that you get to pull the curtain back and see what's behind it. And this film is a wonderful example of that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And with that, I'd like to bring to the conversation the director, co-director, <clears throat> of the energy war filibuster, and that would be Chris Hedges. Chris, welcome to Film School. Welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here and you know to talk to you about this kind of old dinosaur that still, I think, resonates very heavily in our current legislative situation and um, you know, in terms of our battle forever to deal with climate change. We're living through a version of this right now with the, the attempts to get this build back better part of the Biden administration's legislative agenda and the double crossing, the triple crossing that occurs in the energy war seems to certainly be in play to some extent even today. So when you and DA embarked upon this, and I believe Pat Powell, Pat Powell. Mm-hmm. was also a co-director on this. The access that you have, it would it seems unfathomable to me that you would have been granted this kind of access in today's legislative atmosphere. Maybe, maybe not, but it sure seems like it would be very difficult. How did you gain this level of trust and access during this particularly contentious time? I mean, I wish it's, I could say we were brilliant in what we did, but we really just you know, bungled our way into it. I mean, we started the film because Penny had heard that there could be a possible grant uh, from Corporation for Public Broadcasting to do some kind of film about Congress. And, you know, we went to a guy, a journalist who was very knowledgeable about politics. And we said, well, what's going on? And, and basically he said that, you know, the biggest fight ever is going to be over Jimmy Carter's energy legislation. And, you know, we had just had all these you know, oil crisis with, you know, the Arab countries and, you know, long lines and the gas stations and things like that. So, you know, we're thinking, oh, you know, this, this could be a story. And then he said, but the real story is going to be the fight over price controls, regulation or deregulation of natural gas. And Penny and I just rolled our eyes and thought, and this is like the most unsexy subject, you know, but, um, you know, we got the money and we stumbled in and we stumbled into like one of the most dramatic fights in Congress where they mounted a double filibuster. And, you know, the I think people weren't quite as aware of documentaries. They hadn't seen these type of things where people follow around people in real life that much. I mean, 
there was that, you know, the, the precedent of that really was American Family, because a lot of the other early cinema verite shows didn't ever broadcast. So, I mean, a lot of them, they weren't so scared about the camera because they figured as long as they didn't have the sound, <laughs> they'd be okay. So the sound was more of an issue with them. But I think in the end, and this was especially true with somebody like um, Secretary of State Schlesinger, who had been Nixon's Secretary of War, and Carter hired him to be the first Secretary of Energy so he could get the votes of the, as he says, the old boy net, which is part of the third part of it. But, you know, he had great pleasure in kind of watching us chase after him and he would get in the elevator, you know, in Congress and the doors would close and, you know, we wouldn't be able to get in with him and we would lose him. But I think eventually after we followed him to Canada and to Los Angeles, he realized we were serious. And I think that was the same with the other players. If they see that you're really serious about what you're doing, you're not out to like get them, you know, or, or anything, but about to follow what it is, um, you know, they slowly let you into their lives. Yeah. I have a two-part question for you. One is, how big was the equipment that you were carrying around? Because you're in some pretty tight places with them, and it didn't seem to affect the way that they interfaced with you? Um, well, we were shooting, I mean, Penny and I shot with his very handmade or you know, engineered version of an Oricon camera. And they were the same cameras that he had used, you know, back in the 60s shooting Dylan and, you know, the Cinema Verite shows. He would just kind of, you know, upgrade them as, you know, the batteries got better or technology changed. But um, they were pretty primitive. And the other... About how big were they? Just, uh, oh, just You know, they weren't as big as a lot of the cameras now. I mean, people seem to feature themselves you know, with these huge camera rigs. And you know, I think they feel very professional or whatever, with steady cams on or whatever. And we went the opposite way. We tried to be as small as possible. You know, they sat on our shoulders. And, you know, the, the challenge was is that they only filmed for 10 minutes, you know, and then the film ran out right in the middle of whatever you were shooting. The sound was done separately on a Nagra or a Stellavox, and that lasted about twice as long, a little bit more, so you could kind of cover while the camera person changed their magazine. But we didn't use lights. We didn't have radio mics, you know, So and we filmed in two-person teams and just tried to be as small as we could. We didn't have assistants changing magazines or anything. You know, we tried to make a rig that was true to what Drew and Leacock and Maisels and Penny Baker wanted back in the day when they first started doing it, which was a camera that, you know, if somebody jumped in the car, they could jump in with them. Um, The harder part then was that the sound person had to jump in or you had to like just throw your sound equipment at the cameraman in the car and you had to somehow try to use it. I mean, that's the big advantage of today is the cameras take both sound and picture. The other part is the reputation that you and DA brought into the the situation in that's in that you had been at Monterey Pop or DA had been and at the Dylan the, the obviously the famous Dylan um, documentary Don't Look Back but did that harm you or make it more difficult or did they not care or I think they just didn't know I mean this was really you know the old men of the Senate, you know, and there were amazing, you know, lions of the Senate, like, you know, Russell Long, who had, 
been there in the 60s and passed all the civil rights legislation and everything. But, you know, he was on the other side because he was from Louisiana, an oil state. But I didn't think they had any idea, you know, that Penny shot that stuff. Some of the younger um, legal counsel probably knew, but it didn't, it really didn't feature in at all as anything to help us. Let's go back to the heart of the film, because this is really something special that this opportunity for us, as I said at the beginning of our interview, to pull the curtain back, the energy war, it filibuster, that's the name of the film. It's part two of a three-part series that you worked on. It ends up being about deregulating the natural gas industry, which, as you said, is kind of a, maybe for some people, you know, kind of a snoozer, it would sound like maybe, but incredibly important. And especially in light of we were just coming out of the oil embargo from OPEC and there was a lot of a lot of politics around energy. And what we see in this and you you can get into this if you choose. And that is the politics and the of it were exceedingly contentious and important because this was kind of a Ralph Nader era mm-hmm. where government was a little more accountable. It was there were watchdogs keeping track. And keeping mm-hmm. track of industry as well. So I just wanted to kind of set up a framework around this. And so why did it matter that natural gas was either going to stay regulated or be deregulated? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a super complex issue. And the, I, I think the advantage of a film like this is, is hindsight. And you can kind of go back and look at what happened because of what passed in the end. But you know, our films are really more about the people. Oh, that's <laughs> and true. The people that's and their passions and what they stand up for. And, you know, very similar to today, it would be like if you were following around Biden's spending bill and you were with Mansion and cinema and different people, because this also had a fight between Democrats. It had a huge fight between progressive Democrats and kind of more mainstream Democrats, which is, which is very similar. And, you know, also in the end, you know, they kicked out of the bill all the climate change things so that they could pass something, which, again, is terribly similar. Yeah, it's about the passion and and what people really believe in and why they need it so much. And, you know, the progressives who mounted the filibuster, I mean, they really believed that this was going to eat into the pocketbooks of Americans. And so did Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter's whole thing you know, was that we needed to conserve. I mean, he was really um, such an enlightened president. I hope he gets more credit for what he tried to do because he was the first president who really said, look, energy is going to run out and we have to conserve in all these different ways. And, you know, even though this was much more, you know, about supply and the pocketbook, he saw what was coming. And, you know, he put solar panels on the roof of the White House. And, you know, the minute Reagan got in, he tore him down. Right. Um, Right. Well, in fact, the film opens with part of his address to the nation about exactly what you're describing. We need to start moving towards towards an economy that's more sustainable without fossil fuel. This is how we can do it. And yeah, the idea that were that there were solar panels on the roof of the White House in 1977. And here we are 45 years later, and we're still grappling with so much of the same issues. But I do want to talk about the people in the film, Howard Metzenbaum, Russell mm-hmm. Long, Jim Aberesk. These were personalities plus. There was uh, Howard 
Howard Baker wasn't in it. I'm, who am I thinking of? Um, Henry Jackson, Scoop mm-hmm. Jackson, the the uh, the senator from Boeing, as they used to refer to him. <laughs> they they were so many big personalities in this, and they're well. Who, if there's anyone in particular, you focus on Howard mm-hmm. uh, Metzenbaum and Jim Everest. Those are the two for me who seem to be mm-hmm. the kind of the moral core of the film. Yeah, I mean it's. You know, it's not just Washington behind closed doors. It's, you know, closed doors behind closed doors. And there were some, you know, real um, lions of the Senate and real dynasties. I mean, Russell Long with Huey Long and and Kennedy, Ted Kennedy as well. But um, I mean, because Metzenbaum and Avaras decided to kind of pair up and they would joke that, you know, if an Arab and a Jew can do this much in the Senate, you know, they should send them, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so they were just a great pair and, you know, terrific characters as well as their staff because they just, they believed in what they were going to do and Avaras especially. I mean, he was going to throw away being in the Senate. He would say whatever he wanted because he really believed that this bill needed to be passed in a way that that was good for the people of the United States. And, you know, when you get people who had that kind of passions behind them, you know, they're kind of like the James Carville type of characters. You can't you can't go wrong. And it was just fascinating to spend time with them and and especially their staff. Um, who were even more passionate because they were young and so much that much more idealistic. The film, The Energy War, <clears throat> Filibuster, it's really a film that has a lot of drama in it. And also part of the fun of it is not quite understanding everything that's happening in terms of the procedures of the Senate and all of the different machinations, but understanding the drama. And, be, and it's through these personalities that we get this real sense of drama and the stakes that were involved and why it mattered. And uh, it's a beautiful film. And you are, yeah, it really is. And I love your, I mean, I go back to primary with uh, DA and I, what a, an amazing documentary film that was. And you're working as, as we were saying earlier, this is part two and you're working on raising money for part one and part three so that we can get the entire spectrum of really a, a time capsule, a look into a world that in some ways is not the, the, the collegial part of the Senate where they at least had, they would at least speak to one another, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what, when I was talking to Barry Dernfeld, Metzenbaum's legal counsel, you know, he said the one thing that they had then was, even though they had these big divides between people on the issue, is that the facts were the facts. Everybody took, you know, if there was a study that said there's this much energy, blah, 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 that was a fact. And, you know, they veered off and, you know, what they should do in terms of dealing with that. But um, that's what's missing now. Yeah. And, and that's know how we make our way around it. Yeah. And that's again, that's fair. We, we, we agree on the facts that are in front of us. We can interpret them in different ways. But as long as we acknowledge that this is the facts on the ground. I don't have a problem with people diverting from where I what I would do and not do and those kinds of things. I think you're absolutely right. You put it beautifully. It's a, it's a it's a gigantic problem. Well, congratulations again for all your work. The body of your work is just remarkable and for anyone who's listening to our conversation, be on the look for it. I don't know where it will be if it'll be in theaters or however it comes about. Be looking for this film because it's a, it's a terrific uh, a documentary film. So 
Thank you so very much, Chris. Thank you. The, the film, again, is called The Energy War Filibuster, and we've been talking with the co-director, along with D.A. Pennebaker and Pat Powell, Chris Hedges. Chris, thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.